Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we're going to start to preview the offseason here. Uh, should be a pretty busy offseason, I think, here with the Eagles. And Associated Press NFL writer Rob Motti is going to join us to talk about some of the big storylines that will be uh, making all the headlines here over the next few weeks and months. And we'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl as well. He was in Los Angeles uh, covering Super Bowl 56, and uh, he'll give us his insights on what he saw uh, as he was in the press box and behind the scenes talking to players during the course of the week. Also, uh, some other news and notes to get to involving teams within the division. Uh, ESPN had an interesting little blurb about the Cowboys and the possibility that their window of opportunity may have closed. We'll also look at a couple of veteran players in the NFC East who could be on the move this offseason and NFL.com has their end of season power rankings where did the Eagles finish up and which NFC teams are ahead of them as we get started here in the offseason so lots to get to on this episode of Eye on the Enemy and you don't listen one of the most dialed in guys in the NFL is of course Rob Motti who has been covering this league for quite some time covered the Eagles for a long time as the beat reporter for the Associated Press and now is covering the league as a whole and so I'm excited to hear what he has to say about the Super Bowl. You can follow Rob on the Twitter machine, also at Rob Motti, and uh, he's also host of the show Faith on the Field. It's on a number of different radio stations across the country, but uh, also a, a terrific podcast, and we'll talk to him about that at the very end of the interview as well, and just uh, tell you where you can find that show. Rob, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. How are you, sir? Hey, John. How are you, man? Happy football season being over week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you get a chance to breathe now, man. That's That's... <laughs> That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, you know, you but then you get right back into it. So we, yeah. we get the combine, we got yeah. the draft, we have free agency in between that. And it, 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 it's really cool how the NFL has become a 12-month, 24-7, 365-day sport. And, and it, it's just constantly making news, constantly. And there's yeah. so much happening, right? Especially to the lawsuits and yeah. everything else. Yeah, great for the podcasts, right? I mean, there's always yeah. something to talk about. Um, just real quick, before we look ahead, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl real quick. I, I thought it was, obviously the ending was dramatic, but I, it was pretty rocky at times during the course of the game. Saw a lot of the punters uh, last Sunday, which is you know yeah. generally the sign of a game that's kind of struggling to really find some rhythm. But uh, at the end of the day, you had two kind of flawed teams, two surprise teams in there playing for the championship. And at the end of the day, the Rams won the whole thing. So uh, what are your thoughts on Super Bowl 56? I, I thought it was a Super Bowl that the Rams had to win. The fact that they found a way to get there, uh, I think they were fortunate along the way. They should have lost to Tampa Bay. There was some coaching mistakes by the Buccaneers in that game. And even though they came back from down 27-3, uh, the Rams still prevailed. And the Rams should have lost to San Francisco. If there's a, 
a Stafford ball thrown down the middle that was picked. They should have been picked by a 49er safety. They don't even get to the Super Bowl. But the fact that they got there, they were fortunate to get there. And it was it was a game they had to win. They were built to win now. And, and when you look at uh, all the assets uh, that they traded away, they haven't picked in the first round since Jared Goff in 2016. They don't have another first round pick until 2024. But they showed a model for how you can win a Super Bowl doing it in a different way. Instead of building from within, and they have a ton of players, right, Aaron Donald from within, they went out and, and used their assets to play, to purchase, to pay for guys, to bring in guys who were going to help them win right away. Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, uh, they signed Odell Beckham, and they did. It's rare that that happens where teams go all in and then at the end of the day, they're holding the trophy and they held the trophy at the end. So they got their Super Bowl, their position to be competitive again next year. Cincinnati's a team that, that I look at and, and say until they address their offensive line, you're not going to be certain whether or not they're going to be back in it with Joe Burrow, a quarter, probably the elite category right now. They're going to be good and they're going to be competitive. But it's hard to get to a Super Bowl. Things have to break right in your conference, in your division, uh, towards the end of the season. So there's no guarantees. People say, oh, the Joe Burrow and the Bengals will be back and they'll be back again. We don't necessarily know that. Dan Marino probably yeah. thought that all the way back to when he made it. So uh, as far as the game itself, like you said, I, I thought it was it was pretty boring. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I'm sitting, I'm covering this game and. Uh, the most excitement I had for the first like three plus quarters was the halftime show. I, I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah. And I, I was excited. A lot of people were excited about the halftime. <laughs> like that was the biggest buzz in the press box. You yeah. had um, some of the people who, who are working, not media, but working up in the press box, whether they're um, in, in the food area or wherever they had run to the front of the windows uh, uh, in the press box. They're taking <laughs> videos. They're dancing along. Like there was so much excitement at halftime. And then you get back to the game and quickly there's a 75 yard touchdown pass, right? Coming out of the gate in the third quarter. And then again, it settles down into a lull. I, I thought it was kind of disappointing that at the end, the flags and the referees started to play a role in the mm -hmm. Super Bowl when for the first three plus quarters, there was only two penalties. That was the best yeah. part. Uh, when, when that's the best part of a game, the yeah. fact that there aren't many flags and many stoppages, it seems pretty boring. Uh, and, and unfortunately they're throwing flags at the end on the final drive. And all a couple of those calls were crush, questionable to me, mm -hmm. but like you said, two flawed teams. And, and that's how, that's how I saw it. I, I would always rather see Rogers or Brady in the Super Bowl. I would always rather see, uh, a Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl. Uh, teams like um, the Bengals and the Rams, they got there and, and they, they, they needed some help along the way. It just wasn't that exciting. It certainly wasn't a 41-33 type game. No, no. The two best teams were not playing in the Super Bowl. I, I thought that's obvious. And, you know, sometimes yeah. that happens. Sometimes it gets that way. The game reminded me a lot of that Second 49ers Bengals Super Bowl. It ended dramatically with Joe Montana to John Taylor, but in between that, it was a it was a lot of bad football. It was a lot of uh, a lot of punting in that one as well, and that really kind of reminded me of that game. And that it was just it was a lull for a long time, and then at the end there was a there was a spurt of action. But um, at the at least we got a little bit of a little bit of drama there at the end of the game. I, I did want to ask you about Sean McVay. I, he's a very 
controversial coach in Eagle circles. And I think it's because in 2017, he won coach of the year over Doug Peterson. And it seemed like a ridiculous uh, choice. And ever since then, he's been to two Super Bowls in, in four years. Now, I don't think the Rams played particularly well in the two Super Bowls they were in. Obviously, their loss to the Rams a couple of years ago when they scored three points was one of the one of the worst Super Bowls ever played. And I yeah. find Sean McVay to be a guy who makes a lot of mistakes during games. He makes uh, his, his teams don't you know, I see a lot of things that happen during the course of a Rams game. I'm like, why are they doing that? What that doesn't make any sense. But I mean, is that is that an Eagles fan bias? Like and I know the rest of the league loves Sean McVay and he's been to two Super Bowls and he's a Super Bowl champion now. So in your mind, how good a coach is Sean McVay? You know, John, I, I called him throughout the year one of the most overrated coaches in the NFL. And I think people get enamored with his age. He's the youngest coach in the league. Uh, he's got the Hollywood looks and he's got that unique ability to remember a play that they ran in 2016 on third down in a week two of the season. And I think for all those reasons, he's sort of been a, a media creation built as that next boy wonder genius. And I thought he needed to win a Super Bowl more than Matthew Stafford. Uh, I thought he needed to win a Super Bowl to, to cement his status. And, and he did. He, he got the Super Bowl. But I, I will always go back to exactly what you pointed out. You know, Doug Peterson should have been the, the, the coach of the year in 17. And, and Doug Peterson owned him the first two times they played each other with a, a backup quarterback coming in late in the 2017 win to win that game to help cement um, the first round uh, by in the number one uh, seed. And then they beat him again in 2018 with Nick Foles. And uh, I know McVay beat the Eagles and, and Peterson pretty good in 2020 when they, they were just a 4-11 and one team. But I've always thought that he's slightly overrated. I, I don't think of mm -hmm. Sean McVay as, as the, 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 the best in-game um, coach in the league. There were some questionable decisions when you look at the NFC Championship game, some challenges uh, that I thought were uh, at the wrong times and sometimes some of the calls that he makes. So he, he's, he's not up, up there with – the, the elite NFL coaches of all time. Now he's young enough, right? That he's only 35, 36, whatever, 30, for still the youngest, been to two Super Bowls, the possibility of coaching another 30 years, although he's denied that he wants to. He always says, I'm not going to be around that long. Yeah. His resume can be extensive by the time all is said and done. And, and at that point, then you could look back and say, well, if he's won three, four, five, whatever it is, Super Bowls, but that's going to be hard to do. Right now, I, I don't put him in that category. I don't put him in that Hall of Fame coach category. I know everybody wants to determine whether a coach or a quarterback's a Hall of Fame or right after they win a game. <laughs> All that conversation, right, yeah. John, about Matthew yeah. Stafford this week. Yeah. He's not even done playing. Let's see no. what he does over the next four or five years. But for me, Sean McVay's not there. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, the Philly bias in what I'm saying right, and what right. Eagles fans think of him, right? But uh, I, I've always just kind of thought that the national media uh, view of Sean McVay is a little bloated. So we, we are at the one year anniversary, actually, as we're recording this podcast today of the Carson Wentz trade from the Eagles to the Colts. 
And there are now a lot of reports out there that the Colts are ready to move on. We know they weren't happy with him at the end of last season with the way the Colts blew that postseason spot. And Carson Wentz did not play well in the last two weeks of the season. We've seen a lot of a lot of different stories as to what went wrong in Indianapolis with Carson Wentz and what's happened to him over these last few years. What do you think went wrong in Indianapolis? And do you think he's gone? I'm not convinced that he's gone from Indianapolis, John, because I spoke to Frank Reich and and Frank's very um, forthcoming in in his uh, appreciation of what Carson can do and the positives that he brings. And and Frank's been there for five years now, and he's had uh, five different quarterbacks from Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, They've had Carson. So if if he's going to be there and have another quarterback and have to teach another quarterback a new system, uh, I think his preference would be to have Carson for another year. Carson only had six practices in the, in the training camp because of the foot injury the, uh, uh, when he got hurt. So uh, I know that over the course of the season, there were some highlights and there were certainly some lowlights, but um, the Jacksonville game at the very end being the, the lowest of the low, in that game, as poorly as Carson played, so did everyone else. The offensive line was played terribly. Jonathan Taylor, who was a monster all season long, didn't have any room to run. Carson certainly didn't step up and do anything to win that game. But just a couple, a week prior on Christmas, he, he's making incredible throws and helping them uh, win that game against Arizona on the road. Uh, and there were other games throughout the year. So when I spoke to Frank about it, he's like, you got to take the great moments. You take the bad moments. You evaluate those, right? At the end of the day, he was 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. People make it out to be like he threw 27 picks this year. He threw seven. Right. Uh, I, I think if Frank has his way, Carson is back and he gets to work with him for another year for continuity's sake because he doesn't want to have to – teach another quarterback a new system. However, uh, that's got to be something where the, the, the ownership group and the GM, Chris Ballard, are going to have to be convinced of that. And maybe they, they're going to probably explore other options. They're going to look at what they can do and how they can upgrade and, and come back. If you're not bringing in Russell Wilson, if you're not getting Deshaun Watson and all his baggage, and I'd be shocked. I got to know a little bit of the Indianapolis Colts uh, off, uh, front office and ownership and, and just their values. For me, it would be a very uh, it would be a major surprise to see Deshaun Watson in Indianapolis. But if you're not going to get a clear cut upgrade, Aaron Rodgers, then you may be better off keeping the guy for one more year to work with the, the offensive coach who he's best suited to work with mm. and, and hope that he gets more time uh, this season in practice so they can work on some of the mechanical flaws they can work on. I think a lot of, John, to answer what went wrong, I think a lot of it is mental. I think a lot of it is, is, is Carson um, not being where he needs to be when he's in that pocket and, and he's sometimes he's rushing, he's getting jittery. We saw what he can do in 17, parts of 18, parts of 19. We saw what he can do, even in parts of 2021 this season when he's at his best. But I think there are too many moments where mechanically uh, things go wrong and mentally he starts to rush and he mm. starts to break things break down. And um, that, that's where he, he's got to I don't I don't know if if more time with Frank is the answer. 
But to me, for his career, that would be the best solution rather than going somewhere else. I don't think he's going to want to go somewhere else. Of course, he doesn't make that decision if they decide to move on from him. So this is going to be a battle that uh, I think the Colts are going to have to determine um, between the coach, the GM, the owner, what's best for this team, and, and do we give the coach and the QB one more season together to work things out? You have to wonder how much the fan base uh, would be willing to go along with Carson Wentz for another season. Everybody's pretty mad in Indianapolis based on how things went down at the end of last year. So the the emotion definitely will will factor into that probably a little bit too. Although again, that can make you make a football decision that may not be the best. Anyway, yeah, exactly. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening to the fans, you're going to end up sitting with them. That's probably right most of the time. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and the situation in Green Bay. Last offseason, it seemed almost certain that this year was going to be his last with the Packers. I get the vibe now, and you would know this better than I do, that I think the odds are more likely that he comes back to Green Bay. It looked as though maybe he mended fences with uh, with, with Green Bay management this, this past offseason, and he had a terrific season, but again, fell short in the playoffs, which he hasn't been to a Super Bowl since after the 2010 season. It's been 12 years. It's been uh, well, no, 11 years since he's been to a Super Bowl, which is really incredible when you think about it. So what do you think about Aaron Rodgers' future? Is he going to stay in Green Bay or is he going to seek greener pastures? Yeah, I agree with you that it's more likely than not that he stays in Green Bay. And I think one of the telling signs was when he uh, gave his MVP uh, award acceptance speech, he, he spoke in positive terms about Green Bay and the relationship and how they made him feel special over the course of the season. And uh, I, I think that when he looks at um, all of his options – the Green Bay Packers, depending on what they're able to do with free agency and Devontae Adams, are most likely going to be the best team to give him a chance to win a Super Bowl. Uh, he's comfortable there. He's, he knows the offense, knows everything. It's not like you, you know, there's not a lot of Tom Brady's who are going to go somewhere, step right in, and lead a team to a Super Bowl. But I say that, and Matthew Stafford just did that with the Rams. So two right. years in a row, you had a veteran quarterback go somewhere and win a Super Bowl in his first year in a new offense, which is difficult. Um, Aaron Rodgers can do that in Tampa if he goes there, I'm sure. But I, I just get that, that same feeling that things are not as bad as they were in Green Bay. Over the course of the season, he, he seemed to uh, talk in more positive tone about the Packers. He's, he's spoken about uh, Coach Matt LaFleur in glowing terms, really. They get yeah. along very well. He jokes about him. I saw him, you know, I think it was on the McAfee show. I think that's where he does most of his media anyway, yeah. joking about LaFleur's uh, eyebrows. And, and and so it seems like those relationships have worked out. And, uh, if the, and, and then there's always the possibility with Aaron Rodgers that he may decide, oh, all right, I want to walk away. You never know. He, he's not, like, you don't get that sense from him that anything's definitive. Yes. But if, if I were a betting man, I would put the uh, the odds on Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay as most likely. But there's going to be, John, there's going to be a lot of quarterback uh, movement or yeah. at least at the very least speculation. There certainly is. Well, that that was my next question, because that's going to be the main story of this offseason is where are the veteran quarterbacks going to go? There does seem to be a number of veteran quarterbacks whose names have been floated out there. Of course, Deshaun Watson going back to last offseason. But Russell Wilson, of course, is the big hot name here in Philadelphia. But you've got guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, some other guys who are all being mentioned as potentially moving on to different places and trades or whatever. 
let's talk about Russell Wilson specifically because he is the guy most frequently linked to the Eagles, at least <laughs> maybe by Eagles fans, uh, not so much the, the rest of the national media, although that's out there too a little bit. Do you think the Eagles yeah. trade for, for Russell Wilson or one of these other veteran quarterbacks that could be on the move? I think they certainly try to trade for Russell Wilson. I, I, I believe that. I, I believe that the Eagles and a lot of people when uh, last week at the Super Bowl, just talking to different people in and around the league, sat down with Russell himself and, and talked to him. He didn't give anything away. Russell said, I'm happy. I love being in Seattle. But he wasn't even in his um, trying to clear that up or, or put out the vibe that he wants to be in Seattle. He wasn't really it, it, it wasn't one of those convincing. Like I sat there, I joked with them. I talked to him about, do you, does change excite you at this stage in your career? And he said, in, in terms of what, like he, he wanted to be certain of the question. He's very professional and he knows how to avoid controversial statements. But I, I do think that Russell is going to explore the possibility of going somewhere else. And, and I think that the Eagles are going to be lined up, ready, willing uh, to make every attempt at him, I don't believe that they would be first on his list. Uh, I think that Russell Wilson would more likely want to go somewhere else, whether it's Denver. Um, I, I don't know that the New Orleans Saints with their salary cap situation can make it happen, but that's another team. Pittsburgh is a team. Washington's a team. I know the Giants said they're, they don't, they're not going to go out and get anybody else, and they're happy with it. they got to be interested. Uh, Carolina has to – there's a lot of teams. And then, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers, to me, are, are, are the most attractive right now because you, you had a team that you lose Tom Brady uh, if he, in fact, isn't coming back. And uh, he can step right into that situation. They have a lot of free agents, and, and they got to work that out. But they still got that core of players. They still got some pieces on the offensive line and Mike Evans and, and, and some of the weapons on the offense. He would be – a perfect fit in Tampa. And, and if you're talking about replacing Tom Brady, I think some, co some quarterbacks aren't going to be able to handle stepping into those shoes. I think Russell Wilson's the guy who could step into those shoes. So um, there's not going to be any shortage of teams that want to pursue him. Uh, at the end of all of the conversation, do the Seattle Seahawks really want to rebuild? Because that's what would happen. If you move on from Russell Wilson, you're a rebuilding football team. You're going to try and bring in multiple first round picks and other draft picks. And, and you're going to decide that, hey, right now we're going to be content uh, looking for the future. Or do they try and retool with Russell and make things work there? So uh, I'm not convinced yet that Seattle is going to make that decision. Now, Russell could help them make that decision by forcing their hand. But I'm not sure he's there yet. I think it's the exploratory stages where let's see if the grass is greener and, and see what our options are and then make our decision. But most definitely, the Eagles are, the Eagles are going to be in those conversations. Uh, they've always valued Russell Wilson. They have the assets. They don't have uh, the elite quarterback. Now, I think Jalen Hurts could potentially develop into someone like that. He, he, there was a lot of ups and downs in his season you would take the sure thing over Jalen Hurts at this point, for sure. 
How much control does Russell Wilson have over where he goes? Because if you look at what the Eagles have, you mentioned the fact that they, they have a lot of capital that they can deal away. They probably have more capital than any team out there. They, yeah. have, they have so many draft picks at their disposal, whether they wanted to use two first rounders or a first and two second, whatever they wanted to do, you know, using next year draft picks, whatever. But Russell Wilson has been in this league for a long, long time. He's a future Hall of Famer. And I just wonder how much of a say is he going to have in picking and choosing where he wants to go and then it being on Seattle to try and make a deal that that works for them? Oh, John, I think he's going to have a ton of say. I, I don't think Seattle can trade him unless he says, I want to be on that specific team. Okay, uh, And I certainly feel like he's going to dictate where that's going to be. And then Seattle's going to have to work out the best they can get from that particular team. Uh, the, the Eagles not only have those assets, they have Jalen Hurts in a trade. Now, if right. you're the Seattle Seahawks, from their perspective, I think the Eagles are the best trade partner. If you're trying to make a deal like this with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kyle Trask, Jalen Hurts, Jalen's proven, right? Kyle's yeah. unproven. Uh, we saw that Jalen can play at a, at a level to where he can lead a team to the playoffs, and, and you have multiple first-round picks from the Eagles. I think they're the most attractive team for Seattle. Or when you talk about any other team in the league, if they're looking to trade a quarterback, let's just say if it's Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, if you're a team getting first-round picks and Jalen Hurts back, that puts you in more of um, – an ability to compete rather than having to be a, a total rebuild. Now you've accelerated that process because you have a quarterback who in his first year as a starter led a team to the playoffs and a very flawed team. Right. So uh, I think, I think the Eagles are an attractive trade partner for, for a lot of, a lot of teams. I, I know that there's some issues in, in Arizona about Kyler Murray. That's one scenario where personally I wouldn't make a deal for Kyler Murray, if I have Jalen Hurts, I just don't think he's that much better. Um, and, and I'm not trading. I saw people saying this week, oh, would you trade Jalen Hurts in a couple ones for Kyler Murray? I'd say, heck no. I probably wouldn't trade Kyler Murray straight up for Jalen Hurts at this mm. point in their careers. Yeah, a lot of the criticism around Kyler Murray is attitude, uh, which is not something you worry about with, with Jalen Hurts for sure. And that's important at the quarterback position, no doubt about it. I, yeah. I want to talk about another team in the division, the Dallas Cowboys. They, for much of the season, looked like a team that really could have been in the Super Bowl. And it all fell apart at the end of the season, which has happened to them before. What does their immediate future look like to you? They're a, a really enigmatic team. Throughout the season, like you said, I, I thought this is a, a football team that can go all the way to the Super Bowl or can have a first-round exit. And, and, and that's... To have that kind of a wide-ranging um, view, there, there's got to be – there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, there's a lot of flaws, there's a lot of positives, there's a lot of pluses. I still think going into next season, they're the team to beat in the NFC East, and, and they have, with Dak Prescott and the weapons they have on offense, the ability to be dynamic on offense. And, and Michael Parsons, who I loved coming out of the draft, and he certainly proved how great he is, AP defensive rookie of the year, and he even got some votes for defensive player of the year. Their, their defense, it, it has all that, has the potential at times to be excellent, to dominate, and then there are, they have lapses. So they're, they're going to have to go out there and address some holes, address some needs. 
at the end of the, the draft and free agency, you got to then look at it, reevaluate where are they heading into the season. I still think they'll be the, the team to come out of the, the NFC East or should be, depending on what the Eagles do. And, and uh, I still don't see Washington short of getting Russell Wilson or, or the Giants short of getting like a Russell Wilson being able to compete with the Eagles and Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But uh, are they going to be good enough in, in what the NFC ends up being is without Brady – we don't know where Rodgers is, if he's going to come back to Green Bay or not. It's pretty wide open, right? Yeah. You, you look yeah. at it and, and, and you say, well, the Rams repeating is tough, but they should be there. Um, who else? So I, I think the Cowboys are going to be one of the, the three or, or four teams who are favored to be Super Bowl contenders coming out of the NFC. But they got a lot of they got a lot of question marks and. Uh, I sure know Eagles fans enjoy seeing them fall flat on their face and continue to add <laughs> to the uh, the Super Bowl drought. Yeah. It's been what 20, 26 years. Well, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton's first term in office, Rob, which is how, uh, how about that? How about that? Which is a thing. Um, all right, last thing for you here: the Bengals made a big leap this year. They're obviously a two-win team two seasons ago, and uh, had the number one pick in the draft, and and then they're in the Super Bowl. Is there a team you're looking at right now who seems primed to make a big leap like that? Maybe not quite to that degree, but like a team that hasn't been good, but you think is on the cusp of becoming a very good team in the NFL. It's crazy to say I'll stay in division, but Washington, despite all of the off field issues that they have, they still have that. They still have a defense that I think has the pieces to be really, really excellent and dominant uh you saw that in spurts this year you saw you saw a game where tampa went there to washington and and lost on the road uh and and their defense stepped it up if they were able to get a quarterback if they're able to and i know they're going to be all in on trying to bring in a veteran but if they're a team that can land watson wilson um I don't know. So someone else, he, he, even if Carson Wentz were to be moved from Indianapolis and he ends up in Washington, uh, that's an upgrade for them. Who Kirk Cousins really, I don't think, I think he's probably going to be one more year in Minnesota. If Washington finds a quarterback solution, I think they can be a team that can make a jump, that can make a big leap because they have other pieces in place. And I do like their coaching staff. I like Ron Rivera. Yeah. I, I like that coaching staff. Uh, their, their biggest issues are all off the field and front, uh, not really front office, but ownership related. I, I, I like Jason Wright, the, the team president. I, I think they've taken steps to take care of all of that other off the field stuff. And, and try and put the best product on the field. They just need a quarterback. And if they're able to do that, they could, they could take that big leap uh, in, in the NFL. And, and that, that would be my team right now looking at it pre-draft, pre-free agency. Very interesting. Well, we've got a very busy offseason in front of us, a fun offseason. No rest for the weary. Rob's going to be back at it here uh, pretty soon with the with the scouting combine coming at you. Of course, follow everything uh, Rob is doing for the AP. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Rob Motti. And Rob, uh, tell folks how they can hear Faith on the Field as well. Yeah, John, I appreciate that. Faith on the Field is uh, on eight different stations across the country, but the best way to track it down rather than pick out uh, Fox Sports Vegas or LA or wherever we are, all those, it's just faithonthefieldshow.com or any podcast platform. 
uh, Faith on the Field uh, this weekend is going to uh, feature Frank Reich. So it's an extensive interview with the Indianapolis Colts head coach. It's a, a very powerful interview with Frank, a man I have tremendous respect for. He actually addresses all of the uh, all of the credit that he gets from Eagles fans for the team winning the Super Bowl, which is well-deserved, yeah. but he's a little uncomfortable about that. So he addresses that. So I, I would say faithonthefieldshow.com or any, po- uh, any podcast platform, and you can listen to any of the episodes from the past five years. Listen, Rob, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Got it, John. Appreciate it, buddy. Well, up next, we'll take a look at the NFL.com power rankings at the end of the season, see where the Eagles finished up. We'll talk about a couple of NFC East veterans who could be involved in trades this offseason. And did we just watch the death of the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl window? We'll talk about all that stuff coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. V-A-N-29.com. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. ESPN's Dan Graziano had an interesting little blurb on the Cowboys talking about their window of opportunity. And I I wanted to share some of this with you because it kind of goes in line with what I was talking about with Rob just a few minutes ago about the Cowboys and how their season finished up. Like I said, they look like a team that was steaming towards the Super Bowl. I had huge fears that they were going to... And I I predicted they would make it to the NFC Championship game. I can't believe they didn't get past the 49ers in the wildcard round. But Dan Graziano writes, there is a feeling around the league that the Cowboys might have blown their best chance at a title in the current window. They have a lot of offseason business to take care of, starting with the pass rush. He talks about Randy Gregory is a free agent. Um, you know, they, they could re-sign him, but again, there's a lot of other players on that team who are making big money. Demarcus Lawrence has no more guaranteed money left on his contract, and the Cowboys could save $8 million by cutting him. Uh, and it's hard to believe that the Cowboys would be able to afford Gregory if he gets a monster offer someplace else, which he, he could. So, um... It's it's looking like the pass rush could be a problem for Dallas next year. Amari Cooper's deal was built two years ago, according to Graziano, for the Cowboys to get out of it this offseason. His $20 million 2022 salary becomes fully guaranteed on March 22nd. So he says you can look for the team to make a decision on him before then. Amari Cooper could be traded or let go. Having drafted CeeDee Lamb in the first round in 2020, you wonder if they believe they've already found Amari Cooper's replacement. Although, of course, you have to remember, as Graziano points out, that Michael Gallup is injured, and he's also a free agent. So if they lose Cooper, if they lose, uh, lose Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in the same offseason, what does that do to the offense? Um, 
And that, and they have to address the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's not as good as it once was. And then Graziano finishes his thoughts with, one more you should not expect to see is anything involving running back Ezekiel Elliott. He has $12.4 million in fully guaranteed salary coming his way this year. If they move on from Elliott, it won't be until the 2023 season at the earliest. So uh, Cowboys fans who want Tony Pollard to be the bell cow or to be the only guy, don't look for that to happen in 2022, according to Graziano. Ezekiel Elliott isn't going anywhere. But you could be looking at a Cowboys team that's about to lose Randy Gregory, about to lose Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper, and see and Michael Gallup those are four really big pieces and they have to rebuild an offensive line and now you're paying Dak his big money deal and you've you've got all these other obligations that you're already tied up in uh what did I see uh Dallas Cowboys over the cap uh, if, if you go to overthecap.com right now the Cowboys have the third worst cap situation in the NFL only the Saints and the Packers are higher over the cap. The, right now, the Cowboys are $21.5 million over the cap for 2022. The Rams are in the same boat as them. Uh, and if you look at the Eagles, the Eagles right now are at $21.5 million under the cap, which uh, puts them at around, I think it's uh, 11th or 12th here uh, in the NFL. So uh, the Cowboys have some cap issues. They, they can't spend willy-nilly, and it sounds like they're going to lose a bunch of guys this offseason, or at least the possibility exists that they're not going to be able to re-sign Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence unless he agrees to a, a, a pay cut. Um, they're going to have to, they might need to cut him in order to get some cap space and they might have to get rid of Amari Cooper in order to free up cap space as well. So, uh, these are all, these are all issues that Dallas Cowboys have heading into this offseason. This was probably, I think Graziano's right. I think this, this past season was their best chance and it still is so mystifying to me how they were not able to beat the San Francisco 49ers at home in the wild card round. If you're a Cowboys fan, that just that just has to be the most inf- uh, the, ang- the the emotion I would be feeling most if I were a Cowboys fan is infuriating. Is it infuriation? Is it inf- infury? Fury probably is the word. Yeah, I'm trying to make up words. I'd be furious <laughs> if I'm a, if I'm a Cowboys fan because that that was your shot. That really, really was your shot. And you do have CD Lamb still. You still do have Dak. You still have some, you know, Micah Parsons. And, you know, you've, you've got good pieces in the secondary. So there, there are still pieces there. But if you're talking about your best window, your best shot, the Cowboys, have, probably 21 was their best shot at doing it. So, um, I didn't hate reading that in ESPN this week. NFL.com's Adam Rank wrote about five veteran players who should be traded this offseason. Now, this is his opinion. These guys should be traded this offseason. One of those five people is New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley. And he said, I know the running back position doesn't carry the value it once had. And the market for a running back coming off two injury-ravaged seasons probably isn't great, but the Giants need to be choosy about which skill players stay around to start the Brian Dable era. Saquon is obviously talented, but Daniel Jones, according to uh, according to Adam Rank, he says Daniel Jones should be given a chance to develop without having to worry about featuring a running back. That's an interesting angle to take on this. He says, full disclosure, I would be willing to give Kenny Galladay and Evan Engram, a free agent this offseason, another shot. Moving Barkley to a team that needs a little juice at running back makes a lot of sense, especially considering Devontae Booker, who was more efficient than Barkley in 2021, is under contract for cheap through 2022. I can understand this from a cap perspective if that's what the Giants are saying. I don't understand saying Saquon Barkley, having him on your team, hurts Daniel Jones' development. I, I think that's ludicrous. First of all, um, now if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at over the cap, the Giants are 12 million over the cap right now. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's sixth most 
in the NFL. But I think, you know, basically NFL, NFL GMs can find a way to get under that number. But one of the ways they might get under that number is by trading Saquon Barkley. And I don't know exactly what their savings would be if they're, if they do trade him, but I don't agree that getting rid of Saquon Barkley enhances Daniel Jones's development at quarterback. You give, you give a guy a good running back, he's going to develop nicely as a quarterback. I think what you need is a real offensive coach in there. And Brian Dable is that guy. I think you keep Saquon with Brian Dable, give Daniel Jones an effective running game, use Devontae Booker, use them both. And you know, go to war with what you've got. And there's not a whole lot the Giants can do to really radically change things here. I don't know that I'm moving Saquon Barkley unless somebody's willing to give you a second round pick for it, for him, which I don't, I don't think anybody out there is going to do that. The other player within the division uh, that uh, Adam Rank mentions is Landon Collins, the Washington Commander's strong safety. He says the market might be pretty tepid right now for the three-time Pro Bowler, considering teams could just wait a minute and see if Washington releases him, which they obviously could do. Collins was really awful last year before coordinator Jack Del Rio moved him to a hybrid linebacker position that allowed him to play closer to the line of scrimmage. He's 28 now. He's missed games due to injury each of the last two years, but he could provide a boost to a defense in need of talent and experience. So you could look for the Washington Commanders to move Landon Collins, but they also might just release him. But those are a couple of key veterans in the NFC East who could be on the move here in trades this offseason. Again, depending on uh, whether or not Washington releases Collins or not. All right, let's take a look quickly at the NFL.com power rankings. And at the end of the season, they had the Eagles ranked number 16 in the NFL. That sounds probably about right. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys were at number seven. The Washington Commanders were at 25. And the New York Giants were the second worst team, according to NFL.com, all the way down at number 29. But let's take a look at the teams ahead of the Eagles in their power rankings. The Rams won the Super Bowl, so I guess they get to be at number one, but they're, they are not the best team in the NFL. They're not the best team in the NFC. They probably aren't even the third best team. Maybe they're the third best team in the NFC. But the way they have it listed is the Rams at number one, the Packers at five, the 49ers at six, the Cowboys at seven, and the Cardinals at 13. Those five teams are all ahead of the Eagles in the power rankings. The Rams, Packers, 49ers, Cowboys, Cardinals. And you, you have to wonder what happens with the Cardinals. There's been a lot of chatter with Kyler Murray possibly being on the move this offseason. We just talked about the window of opportunity for the Cowboys may have closed to win the Super Bowl in, in 2022. The 49ers... How much do you believe in Trey Lance at this point? He's probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo in his second season. He should be good, but there's no guarantee Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. Does Aaron Rodgers go back to the Green Bay Packers? Who knows? I mean, right? I think it's likely, like we just talked about with Rob, that he goes back. But there's a lot of uncertainty in the NFC right now. If the Eagles took a big swing at a quarterback, and I know Brandon and Jimmy were talking about this on on BGN Radio that aired earlier this week, you could see them make a big jump up in the NFC, depending on what they do around the quarterback position. Now, you, you, you get Russell Wilson, you're paying him a lot of money. It means you can do less at some of the other positions, especially on defense and terms of free agency, but bringing Russell Wilson in, Russell Wilson in, I'll tell you, I don't see the Rams as repeating what they did in 2021, in 2022. I don't see them winning another Super Bowl. The Packers, we don't know what the future is there. We don't saw so, so the future with all of these teams is is uncertain. So the opportunity is there 
for the Eagles if they're aggressive this offseason to to move up those rankings quickly. I did want to talk about one other team, and that is the Colts at number nine. Imagine what the Colts would have done. The Colts might have gone to the Super Bowl if they had a quarterback. But the Colts are in a tricky spot here. It does feel like they want to move on from Carson Wentz, but as Rob was talking about, what's your option if you move Carson Wentz? Can you really upgrade? I mean, I just they have a great roster around Carson Wentz. Could they get Russell Wilson? How would that work with Carson Wentz in the fold? You'd have to include Carson Wentz in some kind of trade or or cut him and eat all that money too. And then how much money are you pouring into the quarterback position? I don't know that the Colts can actually do something like that. Um, I mean, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they talk about Baker Mayfield as an upgrade. Is Garoppolo or Mayfield an upgrade? Are they? As bad as Wentz was at times last year, I think he's still better than Garoppolo or Mayfield. Maybe not Mayfield, but you know Mayfield has been injured a lot. So has Wentz over the years, but... Maybe you hope that Garoppolo or Mayfield are better in the Colts system with more talent around them and better coaching. I don't know. I don't know, but the Colts are Colts are in a funky spot there. I do think they're going to let Carson Wentz go. I, I think they are going to get rid of him. I think they're mad. I don't think that they like him. I don't think they think... I mean, Rob knows probably knows better than I do after having talked to Frank Reich, but everything you're reading about from the GM and the owners, they are honked at Carson Wentz, not just for... Uh, you know, not just for failing to win one of those last two games, but kind of his behavior during the course of the season in terms of the vaccine, in terms of uh, it sounds like he has kind of some of the same kind of leadership problems and coaching problems in Indianapolis that he had in Philadelphia. So I don't know. The fan base certainly doesn't want him back. And I know, like I said, you can't make decisions specifically on what the fan base wants, but it's going to be really hard to convince your fans that Carson Wentz should be the quarterback in Indianapolis in 2022. All right, folks, look, that's going to do it here for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Rob Motti once again for coming on the podcast and joining me. Folks, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day here during the offseason. We're going to continue to throw the news your way left and right because the Eagles are going to be busy. They're going to be in the rumor mill every single day so uh, now with the combine coming up and we'll have the uh, we'll go heavy on draft stuff coming up here over the next few weeks and we will continue to talk to uh, writers for other teams we'll talk to some of the national writers on a weekly basis here on this podcast just to give you a look around the league uh, this offseason as we watch what the rest of the NFL is doing check out all the other shows we have on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy Gee, and...